hell's in there? But it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. Bennings, go get Childs. Hey guys, Hello. welcome to uh, episode two, <laughs> technically number one, of uh, Have No Fear, <laughs> the uh, horror movie podcast with your hosts, Kyle Weidman and Rain Cavalcanto. This week, as we said on the last episode, our uh, pilot episode, this week we're doing John Carpenter's The Thing. Yay! <laughs> 1982. Okay, I'm going to be honest, that wasn't really much of a horror film for me it was more of like a sci-fi feel to it which yeah it is but yeah there wasn't really like any uh horror film elements i would say uh minus the gore and shit like you know what i mean so we're opening the podcast with a five minute rant from kyle okay (laughs) so what about it wasn't really horror to you i don't know like when for me, I did not. By the way, I had no idea that this was the the turn this conversation was going to take after <laughs> we watched that movie. <laughs> okay, no, okay, but like, yes, it was a horror movie. But for me, a horror movie should have a little bit of jump scares, which it did, but rain not. So I'm gonna put um, a compilation of a few clips. I had a mic live while we watched the movie, and um, I'll probably put it at the end of this episode. Oh no. And, uh, <laughs> Listeners at home can uh, decide for themselves whether Rain's reactions <laughs> sounded like it wasn't a horror movie. Uh, there was multiple times with me screaming at him to take his hey. hands away from his face, and he refused. There was a lot of shrieking. <laughs> hey, um, so you... sorry. No, no, no. But you know what? I have to be fair. Why wasn't it a horror movie? Were you saying? Okay. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, okay. Well, um, for me, a horror movie should be. I guess I grew up with a typical horror movie. Maybe that's because, like, I I don't see sci-fi as a horror outlet, if you know what I mean. Like, I grew up watching, like, ghost stories or, like, murderous horror films and stuff like that. But you'd still probably consider, like, an alien abduction movie to be scary, right? Yeah. But, like... And that's sci-fi. Yeah. And <laughs> but you you can mix genres like it's it's horror is one of the most effective genres to mix okay yeah. with other ones like Fair like it's like comedy where it, it's a good pairing with a lot of different things and you mm. can really make something original but I I just I I disagree so strongly <laughs> it's, well I mean it's so uh, setting it's just from experience the but. setting of the movie mm. it we'll just get right into it takes place on an out a research outpost. A U.S. research station mm. in the Arctic, might be Antarctica. <laughs> there is uh, a group of researchers who are stationed at this outpost, mm. and they are very isolated uh, from anybody. At the beginning of the movie, we find out that they're having trouble contacting other people in like the area or other outposts, just like even the town. So they're they're pretty isolated, which is horror movie element A. You have to put them in some sort of a situation where, like, there's rules established, and then the tension builds up off of that. Where, Mm. like, for example, a movie that I don't like, actually, that's a pretty classic one, would be Friday the 13th with Jason Voorhees, because they kind of, they don't really establish necessarily, like, it's it's kind of, it's it's an example of a cheesy horror movie because there's no real tension in that movie, because you're kind of just like, well, it's just this undead juggernaut that can't die, Mm -hmm. and then... At the end, they're like, oh, but it was water that bothered him the whole time. And I, and I think they do set that up, but it's just like, he doesn't die at the end anyway. He comes back out of the water. So it's just like, yeah. another good sci-fi horror movie we'll probably watch at some point, uh, Alien. Oh. Um, the reason that movie's effective is it's an isolated ship. Mm. It's there. They go and find this, this uh, they go and investigate this abandoned ship floating in space. And you don't really see the monster you it's it's this you kind of catch glimpses of it you don't really cat like see it it's all it's a very different approach to the thing because the thing you see like the creature like or or the creature in air quotes Mm. uh pretty early on i'd say like within the first half hour you've already seen 
the creature and like while it's not the same creature every time and like that's kind of the point of the movie is it's not just a creature feature it's it's more about like the paranoia of like it, it's kind of a murder mystery mm. um where it's got that element of like paranoia and trying to figure out like who's doing it and it's more about like the characters necessarily being influenced by it than like the actual monster doing like the slashing but they set up like rules. They, uh, I watched the commentary with John Carpenter, the director, and Kurt Russell, the lead. Kurt Russell's one of my favorite actors. Mm. Um, and I watched the interview commentary with the cinematographer, Dean Kundi. They spent a lot of time. And like I think the reason this movie is so effective is they, they spent a lot of time. Because it is a very complicated script, even by horror standards, like of trying to get um, the right information out there so the audience knows what's going on. And then to also follow that stuff and then to have everything make sense all the way through. Because it's it's a horror movie, so it's got horror movie, like, ridiculousness and, like, plot points in it where it's, like, it's a little bit more out there. But it's at, mm. at its core, it's more about, like, a murder mystery. And you could argue that murder mysteries are even horror in a way because it's 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 you're dealing with isolation and paranoia and all these, like, very dark human themes. And I, I don't know mm. necessarily how you would draw the line of what is horror and what... Uh, where it stops being horror. Mm. I think a lot of people assume horror has to be like supernatural. Uh, most that's of the time, how that's, I see That's what it. a lot of people like yeah, uh, yeah. right off the bat would, would uh, go with. And like, to be honest, that's a lot of what I go with too. You've got movies where you've got like a serial killer or something and it's it's more about like people just being in an impossible situation and trying to deal with... I think, I think horror is more about... Well, I, I think like... Because, like, thrillers are more about, like, it's still an intense situation that you're not sure all the characters are going to survive and get out of. But it's okay. not – I would say thrillers are less extreme. Like, they're less they're less miserable, I would say. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think horror, the, the line is – it's blurry. But I think horror is more about the, um, the extremes of, like, uh, contrasting, like, um, like, the limits of, like – reality and like okay. like for like for like people like people's reality and like um i'm trying to think of like a, a good example of of um a not supernatural horror that mm. might be classified as a thriller but i it, it's it's interesting that um it's not I, I don't think thriller gets used that often anymore i think that's kind of a genre that's been falling a little bit by the wayside yeah a, l- a little bit yeah because like it's either like it's like you either have an act like a well-written action movie where there's actual tension in the script mm. could be considered a thriller. And then thrillers are kind of like dramatic action movies. <laughs> and then you've got like horror movies, which are, which are more about like, you don't, it's, they're more bleak. Like you don't expect mm. the characters to survive. It's more about, I don't know if even horror movies are necessarily supposed to be like, I don't know if it's as easy to say like horror movie, the point of horror movies is to be scary. Mm. There's horror movies I've watched where I was just like, well, oh, that was just a good horror movie, like, and it wasn't necessarily like terrifying. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm so, <laughs> I'm so <laughs> baffled by the fact that you don't consider it a horror movie because, like, you were, you were scared the entire time. But to be fair, I'm a very squeamish person. It wasn't the squeamish parts though that you were jumping at. You were, you dealt with all the practical effects in this movie, like fine, like all the creature stuff. Yeah. It was, it was more the um, when shit started hitting the fan, and then there'd be like quick like. Yeah, that one. Like <laughs> jump cuts or, like, or, or or someone would get attacked or mm. something. That was when you were freaking out. What did you think of the movie overall, though? Like just as a movie? It was as, really as a good. Movie. Yeah? It, like really good. Um, one thing that I think intrigued me to keep watching was probably like the use of really good special effects. Like considering they'd never used, well, almost never used. Uh, yeah, there was one shot for I think maybe one or two seconds where they had an animated Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, part of the creature it was like a tentacle or something and it's and they specifically like they said in the commentary john carpenter was saying that they actually had that guy animate a decent amount of stuff but mm-hmm. so ineffective compared to what they had already worked on with um because they built all of the the creature and all of the effects and it was sculptures mm. um like like animal parts like taxidermy and like layers of rubber and goo and fake blood and it's, it was it's like incredibly cool. ornate. Yeah. Um, and it was a uh, that's Rob uh, Rob Bottin, I believe it is. Mm. Um, he was the guy that did the uh, the effects in the movie. Like I'm not a very like I'm not a person who loves gore. Like <laughs> like I said, I'm squeamish. The way it's 
done. It was just so beautifully done. Like the art that's put into the special effects, the sculptures. I was like, how do they do this? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's like it's 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 messed up because so you're mm-hmm. like you're kind of reluctant to be like, no, this is like very clearly art, but it's like it's very clearly art. Like this is someone. <laughs> it's a sculpture. Mm-hmm. It's it's it it evokes some sort of uh, emotion from you. It's pretty much just disgust and sheer horror. Mm-hmm. But like it's it's uh, effective art nonetheless. Like this, the the reason it held up so well this movie over the years and the reason it's considered. Um, it was groundbreaking at the time for effects because uh, mm. even the helicopter shots in the movie, like helicopter shots hadn't really been done at that point. Yeah. And and the way that they went about uh, building everything on set and making everything very physical, mm. I think that's why it's, it's not even a cult classic. Like it's just considered one of the best horror movies of all time because it's hard to deny not using any CGI exactly. for a monster movie. And like mm. uh, in the interview with the uh, cinematographer, Dean Kundi, he said... Um, he talked about the uncanny valley. Are you familiar with that concept? So uncanny yeah. valley is when you have like CGI or animation or something mm. and it looks, they're trying to make it look realistic, but your brain just kind of innately knows that something is off. Like, okay. And you kind of detect like, okay, this isn't real. So it kind of, um, it like kind of jars you out of your immersion. Ah. Okay. People and physical objects. That's why a lot of more effective, a lot of effective horror movies are, more like grounded stories without like a ton of crazy supernatural like effects and stuff. Mm. Um, because like people and physical objects react to the laws of physics or, or are restricted by it and like act in a, in a very realistic physical way. Whereas mm. like if you have CGI, part of your brain has a hard time uh, suspending your disbelief and just kind of being like, well, this is happening right now. Mm. Whereas like if you can tell it's a physical object in the room with the actors and you can see that they're very clearly interacting with it, it, it makes it much more, um, it makes it feel more real. Mm. Uh, there's so many, like, <laughs> the, the movie is just so, like, painstakingly done, and I think that's uh, why mm. it why it uh, has held up so long, is, like, every detail of it, there was just mm. so much care put into it. Like, the actors and uh, the actors were all very happy to be there. They were all very excited to be working on the movie. They mm. all gave it, like, a great performance. The, all the crew was very happy to be there, like, mm. all, all very excited to be working on it, because it was a cool project. Like, I mean, you saw the end result. Like, it was, it was, yeah, they, it was really, they really did something crazy. Amazing. And um, it's a really entertaining movie, uh, even just aside from being a, a horror movie. I think that might be where the lines get a little blurred for you, is, like, it wasn't, despite being at an Arctic outpost while people are getting mimicked, or while people are unsure of who's being mimicked by the... Mm. Uh, alien and they're slowly tearing each other apart on this isolated outpost in the middle of a winter storm it's kind of like it the tone is pretty light in between like the big horror scenes mm. the big like reveals people die like the pacing is excellent in this movie mm, it like, was they they do like just enough setup at the beginning and like honestly even going back and watching it as i did this past week it's surprising how quickly they get into it and mm. then like how they manage to stress it out stretch it out over the course of the movie without it being boring because it's like yeah first 20 to 30 minutes they've already established that the thing exists and they're kind of establishing the threat and you're kind of already being like all right what's going on here mm-hmm. and then they somehow keep the tension up for the rest of the movie and i and think that's and like you're invested one of the elements that kept me watching was the suspense like you don't know which one is the thing yeah and they and that was another thing is like i mentioned earlier they they um establish rules because you have to have there ha- there can't just be like like a cheap it's called a deus ex machina mm. uh which is like i think it's called god in the machine but it's basically like it, it's latin for whatever and it and it's just it's just a it, it's a phrase that means like in a movie or or whatever there's something shows up that wasn't previously established and that just kind of changes the course of the story all of a sudden mm. like where something that didn't exist previously all of a sudden just shows up and and the story is just completely thrown off the rails after that like for example in Lord of the Rings it was uh the, the one of the famous examples is like they fly away at the end on the uh the big eagles, people watch it and they go like, but why, they had eagles the whole time? Like, why Why did they not use the, why did they not use the giant eagles until now? Like, why did these just come in conveniently at the end? It's, it's, it's writing in something like, writing in a simple solution or that's like kind of lazy just for convenience's sake is probably the best way to describe that. I think they, they talked a lot when they were writing this movie and working on it about how the story was going to go, like each plot point. Kurt Russell and John Carpenter talked a lot about the end of the movie, which Kurt Russell came up with. Mm. Um, I'll ask you about that after. And 
you can tell that like it all kind of flows and it feels of course, like it, yeah. it, it feels like it kind of all kind of connects and makes sense. There's not really that I help me out if, if you saw anything, but I don't think like even the amount of times I've watched this movie, I don't think there's any like plot holes even. Like I think it, it pretty I much all so. makes yeah, sense. Yeah. It's it's crazy that they put so much effort in that you kind of just accepting this mm-hmm. this isolated scenario where they're yeah. trying to figure this like who done it, where they're trying to figure out who's being mimicked by this who's who's be who's the alien and they're trying to figure out because it uh, mimics them and looks exactly mm. like them and they established that pe- the people that would be mimicked wouldn't uh probably know if they were being taken over by the alien or if they oh, were the alien yeah. and uh, they talked about i mean they had the one character later on uh burn himself alive before mm. the thing got him like they talked about if that was going to be a possibility because that's important to consider stuff like that and and the fact that it you don't know necessarily they they kind of only really give you that the thing the, the alien needs to be alone with someone for a while for it to be able to replicate them mm. and to and digest them and take them over, absorb them. But they don't really give you much more than that. So the whole movie, you're kind of just trying to figure out, okay, where was that character like two scenes ago? What's going on? Wait, why? And there's like a lot of characters. And mm. even though the actors all give very distinct performances and they're all pretty well-written characters, easy to separate from each other, they are still similar enough that it gives you that added anxiety of like you're having a hard time keeping track of all these characters. Mm. And you're like, and it's, and it's supposed to be disorienting. All right, well, it's an isolated situation and you're constantly losing track of these characters in this incredibly paranoid situation where they've already established that people being isolated is like, their biggest problem. Yeah. Did you uh, did you expect the uh, the first scene, the kennel scene with the dogs? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because they, be they, they yeah. yeah they set up that helicopter shot at the beginning, and you're wondering why they're um, why they're chasing that dog uh, across the uh, ice, shooting mm. at it from the helicopter, and then you've got that whole sequence where they chase it into the camp, and then they shoot the guy because he's shooting at them, mm. and the dogs just kind of hanging out around the camp. Yeah, like that was already like. Like, even without watching the movie at all before, uh, this is the first time I've watched it. Yeah, yeah, I could already tell, like, there's something going on with the dog. And then after the guy who got shot said, what are you doing? It's the thing. I mean, it's already established from there. Yeah, and, and, and that was actually accidental on my part. I did kind of spoil that for you. But I, 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 I actually, I you did it. <laughs> I think it was a light spoiler because, like, it is kind of, you're already kind of like, well, they wouldn't be freaking out this much over a mm. dog. And I am watching a horror movie where I just, in the opening, we saw a spaceship crash. Like, mm, exactly. It's kind of hard to, what did you think of that kennel scene? It's pretty rough. Well, it kind of sets like the, of what you expect throughout the movie. There's something going on with the dog. Later on, it reveals like the dog is what a replica of, or it's been taken over. Yeah, yeah it's been taken over. And then later on, it spreads its like bacteria or organisms yeah, it, <laughs> through it, other it people. Yeah, it spreads. Yeah, like you already you already get that feeling a few minutes into the opening, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I I, I think it's it's a little disorienting because you feel like you're coming in like I, I like that like starting in the middle of like something already happening mm. but like yeah you're kind of obviously like and they and they do linger on the dog quite a bit too and mm. so you're kind of like well obviously something is up but like the character so it's that irony of like you're like okay well there's something clearly wrong with this dog yeah and then all the other characters are kind of just going about their business what did you think about the uh all-male cast and uh apparently it was also an all-male crew did you did you even really notice that because it well, felt realistic yeah for the most part where you're just kind of like yeah it's just all these kind of like these these dudes just living on this outpost doing mm. like research stuff they're kind of like outdoorsy well um i didn't think of it just because i didn't notice that until you pointed it out yeah. right now <laughs> all of them did a good job to be honest yeah. like, it, and and i think like the reason that people don't in the commentary with kurt russell and john carpenter it felt like kurt russell was trying to get an answer out of john carpenter mm. about like why there was an all-male casting crew and get like a better answer but john was just kind of like i don't know that was just how it was <laughs> and like a lot of people have kind of established that like it's probably better it probably makes more sense that it's an all-male cast because like there would have been a lot more like complicated like there would have been compli- more complicated relationships to write around oh yeah and yeah. it would have taken more setup and it would have been just like harder to do mm-hmm. uh because that's actually the prequel the 2011 one it follows the um the camp that gets take that gets destroyed before this movie mm. uh, it's the norwegian camp and there's the the, the lead in that movie is a female and Ooh. and they they spend a lot of time trying to set up like 
it, it's very like it's it's pretty predictable and it, and it's just kind of like they spend a lot of time wasting uh when they could have been spending more time like writing um just a better movie mm. but <laughs> but like it, it, they spend a lot of time like setting up a relationship with the other scientists and they're like look it's a, she's already isolated cuz they don't uh they don't believe in a, a woman scientist and i'm just mm. like this is such a stupid plot point uh and like a lot of people consider the fact that it's an all male uh cast in uh John Carpenter's uh thing from the 80s the one we watched is it kind of makes sense that they all kind of fly off the handle as quickly as they do mm. and they're all like at each other's throats immediately cuz it's all these like all these guys who have been like at this outpost for who knows how long like months and months possibly a year mm. and they're they're pent up like they haven't had any contact with anybody they're just with each other it's like cabin fever to the extreme and i guess this is probably uh when i go into the little tidbit i've been sitting on uh i didn't mention this during the movie because it's just kind of a weird to the side but in the commentary Mm. and i'd heard this before and i'm going to establish this now because it is possibly controversial Mm. i don't necessarily believe this i think that it's one of those things where uh, fans made a made a, a movie or a book, et cetera, et cetera. Like a, they improved it after the fact with their mm. own theories. Kind of like lores, like like yeah, like they kind of added like almost their own like slightly extended, okay, like kind of expanded on their own details, and then the director mm. kind of takes those and goes like, yeah, 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 that was intended the whole time, like kind of retcons it in, <laughs> and 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 I think so. What I'm talking about mm. is uh, there's a theory that. So it came out in 1982. It was the beginning of the AIDS crisis. Mm. And people were just finding out, uh, this is John Carpenter and Kurt Russell talking about it in the commentary. People were just finding out about this new disease. You don't know how you can get it necessarily. Oh. You don't know who has it around you. You don't know, like, like obviously you don't know how you're going to like get it. You don't know who has it. And mm-hmm. it and it can it's potentially lethal. So it, it's sowing like distrust in people. And... Uh, people have taken that all male cast thing and, and that and the timing and all that. And have kind of said like the thing is, uh, an effective allegory for HIV virus. Oh, wow. And I kind of disagree. I think it's just one of those things where people are trying to make something that is just kind of fun and can stand on its own mm. a little more profound to make themselves feel better about it. Cause it's just like, <laughs> it's like, you don't have to like, just enjoy a horror movie. You don't yeah. have to try and make it like some like impactful statement. And like, I just, I, it's kind of a cool theory, but like, I don't think it fits necessarily that well. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, if, if it was, um, <clears throat> if there was more, uh, similarities, I would probably be like, all right, that, that works. But it, it definitely like John Carpenter was kind of like, yeah. And you know, like we kind of thought about that when we were making it and it kind of works as an allegory. And I was kind of like, I kind of think it's bullshit. I really do. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he would have had that kind of, um, uh, prescience to be like, or, mm. or that, that foresight to have been like, yeah, this is going to be, I'm going to make my sci-fi horror movie about AIDS. Like, I, I just think it's a little, it definitely feels like he scooped that up afterwards. And Kurt Russell, mm. Uh, in the commentary seems like very gung-ho for it. He seems to think it's a cool theory, but like, I think that's just kind of um, the entertainer in both of them trying to uh, be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a hundred percent. That's definitely it. Cause it just, it only helps make the movie more interesting. Mm. Whereas if they were just kind of like, mm, no. And we'll talk about the ending later. Cause that's um, an example of fans having a theory and John Carpenter actually shooting them down. Oh, wow. Because it didn't fit his, uh, what he actually had written or, or what was implied. Because, like, another mm. thing in this movie is that there's a lot of things left unsaid or things kind of implied. Mm. There's a lot of – um, there's not a lot of expositional dialogue. Like, there's not a lot of characters, like, describing the situation to each other in dialogue. It's a lot of it just things happen. You see them react. And I think it's more effective that way because it just feels more realistic. Mm. Like, the kennel scene, they had the Humane, humane Society on standby. But they, they really sprayed that dog with, with that uh, that goo. Ooh. And, like, had it run around in the kennel, like, trying to get away from it. And it's sad. Like, John Carpenter mm. and Kurt Russell both were talking about it in the commentary. They're like, it, that, was, that was a hard scene to shoot. Because everybody, they, they, only want, they only did it the one time. Because they were just like, this is like, it's like, they want to establish the tone. You immediately go like, oh, shit. Like, the dogs, really? And then, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but, like, even them, like, filming it were like, the dogs? <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, then you've got um, uh, Wilford Brimley. He, he finds out that... Uh, He's the one who figures out the projections of um, after studying the uh, the corpse 
that they find at the Norwegian outpost at the beginning of the movie. He's the one mm. that finds out all the stuff about how the alien works, and he's the one who's do- running the numbers in his lab, and he finds out, like, the projection of, like, if it reaches civilization, how how long it would take before it infected the whole world, like that whole mm. uh, kind of ham ha- ham-fisted <laughs> apocalypse scenario, where it's like, in case you weren't already worried about these people's lives, he kind of freaks out in the after after he finds out and then you've got that they haven't necessarily established yet like who's gonna like how you know who's the alien or whatever so you've Mm. just got the doctor goes and grabs his handgun and he's having the freak out in the lab where he's got the fire axe and he's chopping at stuff and then the movie like kind of unfolds and they they try to take kurt russell's character who's kind of the main character hero that's that's actually kind of a plot hole they don't really explain why that makes sense when they try to um they said in the commentary that they, the reason McCready's jacket, Kurt Russell's character, mm. the reason his jacket was found out in the snow was uh, they just needed a way to divert attention to McCready a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. And, like, try to make you feel a little more suspicious about him, even though, oh, okay. like, it was a red herring. Like, it wasn't mm. actually, like, the case. But so they just kind of left his jacket out in the snow. And I feel like that's probably the only time in the movie where it, like, doesn't really make sense, mm. where you're just kind of like, I don't know. There was really no setup for that. <laughs> There's that uh, that cool scene with Kurt Russell holding the flare and the dynamite, oh, and he's yeah. in the storage room, and they're like trying to fight him, and he's just like, he's got the flare very, very close <laughs> to the dynamite. <laughs> what did you think of the um, the operating table scene? Comes before the blood test scene, the one where the guy's lying on the table and he's defibbing him. He's pushing oh, on his chest. Yeah, and his hands sink into the stomach and it oh. chews off his ha- arms. Uh, <laughs> That guy on the table, he had to be in makeup for eight hours for that. Really? Yeah, he had to lay still on that table for eight wow. hours while they applied all the makeup for him. Gosh darn. Yeah, what did you uh, what did you think of that uh, that scene? Because, like, I, actually, <laughs> funny thing, this movie got panned at the time when it came out. Oh. It came out two weeks after E.T. I was telling you this earlier. Mm. It was, uh, as John Carpenter puts it, it was the nice alien movie followed by the not nice alien movie. <laughs> and it, and uh, one of the critics at the time, this just shows how much times have changed. People used to be, well, I guess they still kind of are hysterical for some things. But uh, one of the critics was like, uh, called John Carpenter a pornographer of violence. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, cause it just, just, it's like, we get it. You can write. But like... <laughs> Oh my I, God. I, I think it's like people definitely appreciate it more now because it seems mm. more tame. Like even like at the time, like apparently people were like walking out of the theater at the um, even the blood test scene where they're cutting their fingers, which is like, that's hilarious because that is so minor in the grand scheme of that <laughs> movie. <laughs> like you see someone's face and, and like the sound effects are actually like uh, pretty underrated, too, because like mm. the sound of like things pulling apart and cracking and breaking and like ripping. Mm. Uh, it's all very like very gross and real sounding. Mm. So like. Yeah, you've got people walking out of a theater when, like, five minutes later, like, someone's skull rips open and it turns oh, into, God. like, a giant, like, plant jaw. Uh, what did you think of, um, what did you think of, like, the cast? Did you like the, did you like the acting? I love the acting. Like, like you said, it felt so real. Yeah. Like, I felt like I wasn't watching a movie. I was watching more of a documentary. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's what I like about uh, like a good horror movie is it, mm. it's, it's supposed to be the, the contrast of like you have them having like, and, and I think like it's very important to write real characters mm. with, with horror more than anything. Cause it's like you have, you have to have that contrast of like, these are them being real people. This is them like, this is their like baseline we're establishing. Mm-hmm. You see them at the beginning playing ping pong, hanging out. Kurt Russell's character is drinking his scotch and then he dumps yeah. it into the chess master machine when the chess, when he gets mad at the chess machine for beating him. And uh, you, so you see them in like this getting along. And and another thing John Carpenter said was uh, he wanted to re- write like realistic dialogue for them. So there was no mm. quipping. They didn't have any like, like overly snarky one-liners where it was yeah. just like, like two action here, like just he didn't want them to sound too calm for the situation. He wanted like mm. appropriate reactions, and that's why the lines that are funny in that movie are hysterical because they <laughs> uh, they come across as such realistic reactions. Mm. Like that one scene, like the scene we were just talking about with the autopsy when um the guy's uh, chest opens up and bites off the doctor's arms, and then mm. his body kind of starts like mutating and pulling apart, and then his head falls off the table and grows spider legs and runs away. And 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 as it's running, as it's scuttling away with the spider legs <laughs> and the eyes sticking out of its head, the, the one guy turns and he just goes, "You gotta be f-ing kidding! You gotta be f-ing 
kidding, kidding me. me. <laughs> it's just, and, and that's like that's like an hour into the movie at that point. So it's just such a perfect like, yeah, same dude, same. Everybody's thinking it at that point. And all the reactions in that movie are so great. There's so many good lines. Mm. You've got the one uh, where uh, after uh, Wilford Brimley's character, the doctor uh, freaks out and they lock him in the... Uh, that one, sh- the the uh, equipment shed. <clears throat> They've got him locked in there, and he's got. Uh, they walk away, and they come back, and they open the little iron door slot, and he's got he's tied a noose from the rafters and it's the framing is like they've just shoot, shooting it through the slot so you can see mm. the noose like in front of his face, and he's just doing like the very calm like. All right, guys, I don't know what the problem is, but I'm feeling okay. So if I, I honestly, I'm feeling fine. So if you guys can just let me out now, I promise I'll be okay. Just such like dark humor in, this, mm. in the movie yeah, that's so effective. And then, of course, like the blood test scene. Mm. You've got that was that's such an intense scene. That was I, I think that might have. No, I don't think that was your first uh, scream, but. I think no. that I think that happened much earlier on, but but that scene got you I think multiple times. Yeah, just because like I didn't know. What, what, yeah, if, if, like, and a fun big. thing uh, I forgot to mention is when he's holding the petri dish, mm. uh, Kurt Russell, his hand is actually a dummy. It's a prosthetic. When when it when the when the blood like bursts up and like turns like into like when it like briefly like freaks out. Mm. What that was was they had a. He had like a dummy arm holding the thing, and then they had like a hydraulic come up and push. Oh through wow! It. So like the practical effects are just so endlessly creative. I didn't in this know movie. that. Yeah, like most of the um, I pointed out to you when we were watching it. Most of the uh, the creature scenes are either done with reverse shots, with like mm-hmm. the tentacles pulling at stuff. It was a lot of just reverse sh- shots, and then getting the creature to move. Most of it is just pretty much all of it is just puppetry. Mm-hmm. It's it's they would have the creature on the ground or up against a wall or something, and they would just have people on the other side operating it. And a lot of the time, it was, like, minimum, like, ten operators, like, five, ten people <laughs> operating one thing. I thought that was cool, to be honest. Like, oh, it's so yeah. cool. And it also gives it, like, a like a weirdly realistic, like, that's part of, like, it does exist physically, but it also gives, like, its movement kind of a realistic mm. thing because it's, like, there's, like, living people, like, actually operating it. So it doesn't have that, like, clunkiness of, like, being an animatronic. Yeah. Um, uh, it's really, really cool. <laughs> and, and then you have... Uh, so the blood test scene is is just there's so much crazy stuff in there like mm. uh, when the blood falls on the ground and it starts like getting magnetized, uh, they did that just by like pushing the table and then just having it slide. Wow! And then, but it's cut so well, like the movie's shot so well, you can't tell any of the like workarounds they did. Mm-hmm. Like um, when the guy gets his arms bit off in the autopsy scene, there's a brief shot and you're looking. It's a close up at a dummy. It's a dummy with his arms cut off. But it looks like a human because they layered the audio and they cut it so quickly and so well that mm-hmm. you just can't tell at all. And it immediately cuts back to the actor. There's a lot of stuff like that in the movie. That blood test scene, though, that's like one of those movies. That's that's one of those effective horror scenes where you're kind of just like, I honestly don't know. Good horror, uh, or bad horror rather, is mm. the is the. It's always got that like, well, why didn't they just do that? Or why did they, <laughs> or why did they do that? Like, yeah. don't go into that room by yourself. Or why are you isolating yourself? Why are you? What are you doing? Mm. And, and, and whereas this movie doesn't have like any of that, and, mm. and it really does feel like it's a realistically set up scenario with like real characters, and you're kind of like, it's an impossible situation where you're like, for once, you just don't feel like a sm- like. And this is like watching bad horror movies. I just don't really like doing it because it's like, I hate just sitting there the entire time and just like not being able to get immersed because I'm constantly picking apart like just kind of bad writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas like this movie, you're just like, they've set up all the rules. It's completely all established. They're following those rules and it flows. And I honestly don't have a (laughs) clue what I would do in this situation. Same. (laughs) Like that blood scene where they're, uh, you forget uh, when they tie those guys to the couch, there's the four of them sitting Mm. on the couch, four or five. And uh, you forget the previous scene, McCready actually tells the doctor to inject each of them with morphine. So mm. they're sitting doped up on the couch, tied with ropes, waiting to get this blood test happening. And then the guy <laughs> at the end of the couch starts convulsing and then mm. he transforms. Um, just a crazy scene. Just such a uh, – John Carpenter describes it as like – I think it was a – he said it was like – he wanted it to just be like a nightmarish vision of hell. Like he, oh he's, he was like, like la- <laughs> laughing when he said that. But that scene because it's just such chaos. Like it's just mm. like endless screaming from like all the characters on set. You've got like that dude like kicking for his life from – as the thing's like trying oh, to like, yeah, pull yeah, him yeah. into his jaws. <laughs> and it's just like just all hell breaking loose. And uh, – it's a ah oh man. It's just such a it's such a fun movie while it's still being like creepy and intense. Do you have any comments about the movie? I just liked it overall. Like, uh, like we said, the actors did a great job. Like, they created like a believable performance throughout the film, and 
Okay. The cinematography. Oh, God. The cinematography is amazing. Yeah. I like the use of lights as well, just because, like, yeah. the color coding, like, warm, inviting, but cold, it's, like, like non-inviting. And, and it's, not even it's, just, like, it's not even just blue, or it's not, like, white lighting, mm-hmm. which would be cold and, like, sterile. It's, like, blue lighting, which makes it seem, like, more, like, alien almost. Yeah, and, like, yeah exactly. It, it's very, very cool. It's got a very, very cool aesthetic, that movie. John mm. Carpenter, uh, a lot of his movies are very good with that. He kind of has, like, almost like a color palette that he, like, shoots through the movie. Okay. It's very interesting. He's he's always been, like, had a pretty good eye as a director mm. for cinematography, and I think this movie is, like, a really good example. Um, Dean Cundy, like, both of them just work so well. Because, like, even, like, the interior shots, like, it it um it's all so well lit. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got them walking around in, like, a burnt-out... A metal building, and they're they're trying to sift through fake snow and like all yeah. this junk and stuff on the ground, and and it's it's just like very well lit, like it's not jarring at all. Like they used very a very effective like use of the um all the road flares that they had. Mm. Uh, they had bought cases of those during shooting, um, and like and and I had mentioned they only the flares only lasted a minute and a half, so oh, yeah. if, if they ran out, they had to restart the scene, and they dripped like. This like burning chemical fluid the entire time too that like injured a bunch of people. Oh God! <laughs> Sorry, what you were saying. Oh, uh, and like what I noticed, what I like uh, from one of the scenes was the painting effect. Yeah, I love that. Like I don't know. Like I didn't like when you pointed that out. I thought it was just like like an actual set. Yeah. But when you pointed out that it was a painting, I was like, no way. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to tell. That's um. They got uh, it was a. Um, a professional, I guess, like set painter, mm-hmm. uh, to come in and paint like the spaceship that they find in the ice later on in the movie. When they, uh, so they rappel down a real glacier, mm. but then it's just just all forced perspective. They have this matte, this giant matte painting of um, of this crashed spaceship, and they're just the way they work the camera, like it's you can't tell it's mm-hmm, not actually exactly. there. Yeah, it's really really cool. And like another thing I noticed was unlike. Some of the f- horror films I've watched, it's n- the music's not jarring. Like, the yeah. music was just perfect for the pacing. My, my least favorite thing about uh, bad horror movies is how they telegraph scares. Like, you can always tell. Because yeah. it's just clumsy and stupid and poorly written. It's like, hmm? Horror movies, uh. bad horror movies are some of the worst movies that are, because they're just so lazy. Mm-hmm. And they just are novelty and just cheap thrills. Like, uh, that people buy up anyway, but like when 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 like you've got the music that starts playing and you're like, oh great, here comes the violin of <laughs> impending doom. Yeah, like, right. And whereas in this movie, it was like it was mostly a quiet movie. Like they, mm. it was a lot of just wind and like atmosphere sounds. And then when the music would play, it was usually over like B-roll footage of like a landscape or something. It wasn't usually like they didn't they didn't really use music much in this movie, and I think it was mm. really effective. That being said, the music done by uh, Ennio Morricone, I believe, it was his first time working with John Carpenter. It's very good. It was it really, very good. It, it, it really fits, and it fits mm. the aesthetic too. And, and like I said, it wasn't jarring, and it doesn't. It does build up sus- suspense, but not too much. Like you know, in like horror movies, where it's like uh, when someone's about to go into a closet, the music like crescendos a lot, yeah, yeah. and then opens it, music stops. And then pops out. It's yeah, not or, like or, or the or the or the slight pan, and then you see someone standing behind them. On yeah, the shoulder. that bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I, I just like that this movie like it doesn't have really that like there's not really any clef- cliches in it. Like there's mm. some, but like they're not egregious. Like it's it's a pretty original movie. It is. Um, I'm thinking. Uh, so this is sci-fi horror, but I'm thinking at some point I might. We might do a like a light off episode and try to find um, maybe watch like a horror comedy or something. Okay. Um, <laughs> Haunted House. Have you ever too. heard of? Have you, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of what we do in the shadows? No. It's about vampires, uh, and they're like roommates. Oh. And they all live in this like old house, and they're all from like different eras, and it's 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 a very very funny movie. So like Big Brother. Just <laughs> it, it's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but but they're all all male vampire. It, it's it's great. Uh, well, maybe we'll watch that for an episode. But uh, well, 
what did you what did you think of well I guess we'll just skip to the ending mm. what did you think of the uh, the ending with uh, Kurt the- Russell uh, yeah f- you too um, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I forgot to mention my favorite line from the blood test scene is uh, when when they finally go and all the cr- craziness uh, takes place and the dust yeah, kind of yeah. clears and they've got like the remaining few guys on the couch and they're testing them and they find out each of them are clean and the last guy and then you have like... the, the last guy the um, uh, the the captain or whatever yeah, yeah. Uh, sitting on the couch and he's the last one tied and he goes um, look I know you gentlemen have been through a lot but when you have the time I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch and it's just, <laughs> that was the best line and I like I, I didn't I, I didn't do it even slight justice because I don't feel like yeah. screaming right now but like it's just such a good delivery like it's just he just is just losing his fucking mm-hmm. mind uh, it's just so perfect I know you gentlemen have been through a lot and when you find the time I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. Then you've got the the final act with um, the doctor uh, goes and takes out the generator, mm-hmm. and then you've got like three, four people I think left going to look for him. I think it's four people. It was left four. Going to look for him because then Childs. Uh, played by Keith David goes and kind of you see him like kind of walk off into the distance at, mm. right before that happens and then um, oh no it was three it was three yeah it was it was it was Kurt Russell mm. it was um, the captain I can't remember his name yeah then you've got no because then it was Niles like the cook mm. and um, oh no yeah you're right yeah it was just it three was, it was just three because then because then um, Wilfred Brimley the uh, the doctor was down there already mm. uh, in like the uh, generator room and then um, Keith David was off wandering around. Yeah. But you've got uh, that that scene at the end with um, the floorboards all ripping up and it yeah. charging him. That's pretty cool. That I, I think that was one of the only times in the movie that you actually they actually had a stuntman. Uh, was uh, the name of the name of <laughs> Keith, uh, Kurt Russell's uh, stunt double, uh, and he had worked with John Carpenter and Kurt Russell on a couple other movies. Mm. <laughs> the guy's name is Dick Warlock. <laughs> it's just, just let that steep for a moment. Oh my Dick god! Dick Warlock, the stunt man. <laughs> uh, but then you've got like the one, the that very briefly animated part. Then you've got the the final transformation with I think it was like thirty seven people underneath mm-hmm. the floor operating this one uh, beast, and uh, Kurt Russell throws the dynamite, blows it up, base mm-hmm. blows up. Uh, you've got the shot from across the the ravine of the entire camp blowing up. Mm. Uh, you've got the remote cameras on uh, on set, watching it blow up up close. What did what did you, what did you th- how did you think the movie was gonna end? I thought everyone was gonna die. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> so I was surprised to see like two people like. Like did you think they were standing. gonna? Did you think they were gonna win and still die, or did you think like it was just gonna be a hopeless like just everyone hopeless dies? like every? <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but like <laughs> that's how I see every like horror film. Yeah, I ever. just didn't I didn't see like the movie necessarily setting itself up that way. Mm-hmm. Though, at the end, the way John Carpenter intended it to be, and the way him and Kurt Russell talked about it, is they didn't want there to be like a happy sunset ending. They wanted you mm. to kind of like end on that note of like uncertainty. Cause the whole movie is about being unsure the whole time. So it don't, it's only yeah, thematic yeah. to end on pretty much the same note. It's been playing the entire movie, mm. which is Keith David's character comes back. Kurt Russell's already had his entire final con- confrontation, killed everyone else. <laughs> Keith David comes back uh, as Kurt Russell's slumped in like the wreckage, just mm. kind of warming himself by the fire. And, uh, Oh, that's another thing. When the generator goes out, they establish that, like they won't be able to survive in the cold, but yeah, the thing yeah. will, and the the thing is probably just gonna try and bide its time so mm. that it can uh, fall, like freeze, fall asleep, and then wait for the rescue team to come try and find it. Mm. But like the humans don't have that advantage because they will freeze to death. So Kurt Russell is uh, waiting in the wreckage. Uh, Keith David's character Childs comes back, mm. and you've got that line from Kurt Russell where he goes, uh, "Where were you, Childs?" And you just kind of got that moment of like, "Oh no." shit he was gone that entire time like, he just he wasn't like hanging out like he he was mia that entire time mm. so you're all of a sudden like oh no oh no oh no and then you've got that that moment where they kind of walk the lean back in the other direction a little bit where he goes uh well i don't think we have any surprises for each other but uh we're both too tired to do anything about it anyway or something like that mm. and then they kind of sit there and then kurt russell has his bottle of scotch from the beginning of the movie takes a swig 
goes and hands it to Keith David. He takes a swig, mm-hmm. and then they kind of just are like, "What do you? What do we do now?" And he's just like, "I guess we'll just wait for a little while." And then the movie just like ends. Yeah, that's the end of the movie. Is you're kind of like, <laughs> you don't know if either of them are the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't get any closure on it. You don't know if they're saved. You don't. They. They. It's heavily implied that they freeze to death. Mm-hmm. Um, or one of them. Dun dun dun. <laughs> and uh, the fan theory. The one that I was talking about earlier that John Carpenter uh, publicly came out and was just like, no, that's just, it's cool, but it's not the case. Was mm-hmm. uh, And I subscribed to it for a while. I was kind of like, this is like, I was like, that's a cool theory. I like that. And and, and you know what? I, I'll admit, like, it's partially because it's just like, yeah, the movie doesn't give you closure. And it's kind of nice to try and come up with your mm. own. Uh, somebody had mentioned, like, you know how they're making Molotovs earlier in the movie? They're, they're taking the bottles of alcohol. They're shoving the rags in. Yeah. Lighting them and using it to, like, destroy the base. Mm. Somebody had mentioned, I can't remember the exact setup for it, but somebody had mentioned either you see Kurt Russell to empty out the J&B bottle, like his scotch bottle and fill it with gasoline, or you see it's something like that, or it's assumed, like they they, they made the assumption that like he had filled his J&B bottle with gasoline. Okay. So at the end, when he goes and he takes the sip, he's at, the, the, the fan theory was that he's actually doing one final test for the thing, and he's taking a sip of gasoline and handing it over to Keith David and they both do the oh. like and they both kind of do the like <clears throat> and Keith David's character is like so chill with it that you're mm. kind of like supposed to be like oh that's a thing and then it just ends but John Carpenter John Carpenter was just kind of like hmm. no we didn't really set that up so that's not really a thing it's cool though like that's a great fact yeah movie. I always thought that was very, very interesting. To be honest, uh, to be honest I, I feel like he shouldn't have said anything just leave it <laughs> yeah but at the same time like it is it is uh, the if that was his vision was to not have any closure at the end of the movie and kind of have that open expanse at the end, mm-hmm. then like to have the community kind of all collectively be like, no, this is our canon ending now. is kind of like, I could see as a director being like, no, f- you guys. <laughs> Cause like he said, like this was like the hardest shoot he had ever done. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they were actually like part of the credit for why the movie feels so real again is they were actually on a, an outpost yeah. while filming this and they were all isolated. And there was a lot of days like where it was too, the conditions were too bad for them to shoot. So, like, they were living in the same conditions as the actual characters in the movie for plenty of it. Mm. And uh, they shot in um, the Arctic, but a lot of the interior shots were also shot in BC. And uh, they said, like, it was a very, very difficult shoot. Kurt Russell agreed, like, very, very difficult. But everybody was just really happy to be there, so they worked through it. And I think that's why the movie uh, turned out the way it did is because, like, pretty much all the moving parts gave a shit about it turning out well. Mm. Mm. And... As John Carpenter, I don't know if this is his original quote. It's not exactly profound, mm. uh, and it probably says a lot about his headspace at the time because I think he was recently divorced from uh, from his. Uh, uh, she's in a couple of his movies, Adrian Barbeau. Mm. Uh, but I think he was recently divorced. But in an interview at the time, somebody was asking him about like the ending of the thing and like why why it's like no he's and he was saying like he doesn't like sunset ending his in his movies because mm. quote life doesn't have happy endings. <laughs> And it's like I see it what doesn't. And, to be and, honest. No, but it's like it's like I see what you Sometimes. mean. Like it's 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 always like one long flowing like series of events. It, there's mm. not like really like it's not cut into segments that are like nicely packaged. Like everything kind of flows into the next. But <laughs> it's just out of context. That's such a funny bitter dire- horror director quote. Life doesn't have happy endings. It's just True. like it's like what a dick. All right, but uh, so final final thoughts on the movie. You liked it? Thought it was entertaining? 8 out of 10. Eight out I would 10. give it out of 8 out of 10. I would watch again to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it like a I'd probably give it like a 9 out of 10. I don't know what I mm. I don't know what a 10 out of 10 looks like for me. So it's hard to say. I guess it's It's kind I of I guess hard. it's a 10 out of 10 yeah. cuz it's one of my favorite movies, but like I do realize like there is some things that are like not perfect about it. I just think mm. it's an entertaining movie and at the end of the day that's all you can really ask for, especially if it's a horror movie. Mm. Is not feeling like you're uh, like not feeling cheated, feeling like you actually got something out of the experience. Because another thing with bad horror movies is like they're just hollow. A lot yeah, of them you watch true. it and you're just kind of like, why did I just sit for an hour and a half and do that? Like, <laughs> and now I just feel like garbage. I'm like a little mm. depressed. Like you're like this is dumb. Whereas that movie like it, it keeps it light and you still are like, oh that was entertaining and I don't feel uh, like worse off for having watched it. <laughs> mm. So it was good. Yeah, that was episode two. Yay. The Thing, John Carpenter, 1982. Okay, I'm going to be honest. The next episode, I want to. I want us to watch The Conjuring. <laughs> okay, yeah, for sure. We can watch The just, Conjuring next just episode. Just because, like, I love I love horror stories that that centralize, like, true events. Because, like... Oh, and I have a whole thing we can get into next 
next week uh, or next episode for mm. for the the Conjuring because like that's that's another thing is a uh, I won't get into it too much but based on a true story is another cheap novelty that they use a lot I of guess. horror movies and but, we'll talk about that in the next episode because yeah. that movie is a particularly egregious one because it's based on a story that isn't even true. <laughs> like, okay, fair enough. Yeah, but like you know what I mean like when they say it's true like um, it's based on. The Conjuring is based on, I think, Keith and Elizabeth Warren. Probably got their names wrong. Ed and Lorraine two, Warren. Lorraine. They were, <laughs> Ed, yeah, 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 thank you. And they were, like, the, and they were, like, actual, like, I, I don't know if they were, like, famous, but they were, like, they were ghost hunters. Mm. And uh, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> this has been episode two of Have No Fear. Yay. The Thing with Kyle White and Rain Calakinto. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey guys, it's Kyle. Uh, Just a couple things to wrap up. Uh, We're going to be working on um, structuring this podcast a little bit better. It's my fault because uh, the whole point of the podcast is that Rain comes in kind of uninformed and I'm supposed to curate this stuff for him. Uh, So I'm going to start structuring questions, coming up with things to kind of bounce the conversation around more. I realize this was Probably a solid 45-minute monologue of mine with brief interjections of rain. Uh, Not his fault at all. I kind of was a raving lunatic during this episode at certain parts. I just really needed to get all that sweet, sweet trivia out uh, on the airwaves. This isn't going to become a habit. I also wanted to add, uh, when I was making fun of the Thing prequel, uh, I I didn't edit it out because it disrupted the flow too much, but uh, there's a part where I, it sounds like I'm scoffing at the idea of a leading woman in a horror movie. Uh, I didn't really make my point clear enough that I was just shitting on the movie, and it happened to be that they spent too much time on her character arc. So since this podcast is uh, just starting out, I wanted to make sure I at least can say I addressed it. In the future, I'm just going to edit stuff out, but... I just wanted to make sure it didn't reflect poorly on Rain. Uh, If you keep listening to future episodes, you'll find I can be annoying without being misogynistic. So that wasn't the case. Uh, Don't think I forgot. The point of this outro is not an apology. Because Have No Fear is not about apologizing. We're We're a rough and tough podcast. Anyway, here are the clips of Rain screaming. What an excellent day for an exorcism. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> You're good. You're good. This ice block is a reference to the original movie. And uh, it's like a major part of the prequel, too, that they made in 2011. So what does the ice block represent? You'll see. Okay. <laughs> oh no. I'm not ready for this. And, well, you saw a spaceship crash at the beginning of the movie, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some animal buried in the ice and they chopped it up. Where is it? Ew. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, dude. I told you already, there's no jump scares. Okay. Like, no jump scares. Zero. Um, not any bad ones, no. Okay. I don't think the jump scares, like, I don't, I don't remember any. I've watched this movie a couple times. Wait, I'm like, wait. You're gonna watch it. Wait. This is very important. This is like the scene. All practical effects. This is literally just puppetry. And like a sculptor with rubber. And this is a reverse shot, that's how they did the tentacles. Oh! Pretty much all the tentacle shots are reverse shots. 
Even that? Yep. What the fuck? Oh my god. Oh, poor dogs. <laughs> Also, they made fun of Kurt Russell's hat, a shitload, him and John Carpenter, in the audio commentary, because uh, the um, the costume designer was just kind of like, kind of felt like Kurt Russell needed like a hat or something. <laughs> and he was just kind of like, he liked it. He was like, it's kind of awesome, because it kind of was like, it kind of fits with his character, because he just looks this badass, and he's just got this like hat, which is like, looks kind of dumb, but it's like pure functionality, and he just doesn't really address it. So it, it's... The movie does a good job of keeping things, like, kind of light along the way. Mm. It's not just, like, my least favorite horror movies to watch are ones that just leave you feeling, like, just disgusted and awful about humanity by the end. I like ones that, like, try to keep it light a little bit. So this shot is actually a matte painting. You can't tell. That's a painting? It's a painting. You can't tell. What? They talk shit, they talk the ink is everything they know. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Don't do that. <laughs> Go, Bennings, I gotta get some sleep. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, shit. You wanna know what the most intense part of that scene was? What? Uh, they, it was like apparently really f***ing cold. Uh, <laughs> even in, uh, even interior, and they were just like, I'm sorry man, you're gonna have to take your shirt off for this. And he was just like, <gasps> oh. he was like, alright. And so he was just a trooper about it. <laughs> all the needle shots in the movie are real. And it's all the same cameraman. He volunteered for all of them. Oh my god. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll be a body double. I don't give a shit, I can do this all day. <laughs> it's very funny. Why does this part give me silence vibes? What? Oh my god! <laughs> Why does it what? Why does it give me Silent Hill vibes? <laughs> oh, it's just the lighting, probably. But even then, the lighting isn't really Silent Hill. It needs more fog. Uh-oh. What is that? Mm. Yeah, it's- you remember when he was out there with the flare? And he mm. found McCready's jacket? He, uh... Yeah. He killed himself. He burned himself before he could do anything to him. <gasps> oh. And he burned himself before it could get to him. Mm -hmm. Here. Clear. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> this is all puppetry? Yeah. What? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Has good pacing. It's usually a big moment and then like a little while again. Something gonna pop ah! No, don't do that to me. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, please don't tell me there's more. <laughs> oh yeah, no, this is the final act. Okay, but like. <laughs> oh no. Is he gonna get attacked? Tell me, I, I, I can't. I... Oh no. Watch. Take your hands away from your face. What? Rain, take your hands away from your face. Why? Take your hands away from your face. Rain. No, okay. Rain. okay. No, take your hands. Rain. I'll ah. come over there and pry your hands off of your face. Rain. Okay. No, your hands are still touching your face. Okay, okay. Completely put them at your sides. 
Put them at your sides. Open your f***ing eyes. No, Rain. I can't. Rain, it's the end of the movie. Okay. Ah! Rain, do it for the podcast. I can't do it. I can't do, it. do it for the podcast. Rain, you have to. Oh my god. Rain, it's not that bad. Okay. Rain, okay. pay attention. It's not that bad. There's no more jump scares. Uh, I don't trust you. Rain. Rain. I don't trust you. Rain. 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 No, I don't want Rain, to do you it. have to watch. Okay, fine. That's the point. No, you have to take. Okay, sit up. Okay. Sit up and take your f***ing hands away from your face. Oh my god. Ah! Ah! Is it done? Almost. Oh my god. It's just Kurt Russell now. Oh, and um... Childs. You have to watch. Okay! It's the end! No more jump scares, I promise. Okay.